Hey guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm Hunter, you're Hugh. Uh, this podcast. Fucking Project A Plus. Fucking oh. Project A Plus. Yeah, wow. we got, we got a, a special edition coming your way today. An emergency episode. Yeah, emergency episode. Uh, we're well equipped with drink for this one. Yeah, it's an emergency because I think Russia's just launched 16 missiles towards uh, 16 cities in the United States. Luckily, one brave uh, Spanish, Australian, uh, American is is banning the interceptor missiles to knock them out. <laughs> I'm sorry, we watched uh, the interceptor. This is mostly in the behalf of you, my friend. Um, At the Lawrence behest. Starts, well, behest, whatever. We'll return to uh, uh, regular programming next time. Uh, we got an exciting new series ahead of us. Um, yeah. Yeah, sounds exciting. Um, but before we before we actually discuss the movie proper, or rather the movie Interceptor, if that's what it's called, mm. we should find out how we're doing, right? Yeah, doing great. Doing great. All right. Yep. Uh, just got off a nice long shift at work. How long? Eight hours long. The length of a shift at at work. (laughs) Well, I work longer shifts, as you know. Yeah, but you also only work four days, so. That's correct. It's it's the dream. Sure, sure. Um, But uh, listeners should know that you are no longer a teacher's aide. Um, Actually, I guess I guess it's it's just a. Substitute teacher, I guess. Teacher's aid yeah. is a different thing, isn't it? Yes, it is. You're no longer teaching. You have returned to the, wor- the world of retail. Mm. Specifically, you've returned to the world of um, book selling. Mm. Except you've... Um, you've... Uh, um you know dis- dispensed with the big the big corporate bookstores yeah traded for a slightly smaller corporate bookstore is it still corporate yeah okay never mind i was going to make an analogy with like you've got mail yeah, you got mail but now it's just a different kind of corporate right probably less evil but but who knows who knows? It's probably owned by the same shell company or something. No. no. All right. Uh, anyway, <coughs> what the fuck is going on here? How are you? How am I? Yeah. Still working the same job, so there's no news on the career front for me. Um, that's about it. Hmm. Hmm. What? I said that's about it. Okay. Well, what did you, you say before that? <laughs> so you went, mm, mm. <laughs> didn't actually listen at all and yeah, then decided to exactly, check exactly. after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> I said there's nothing new on the career front because I'm still in the same job. Mm. What was that? Still in the kitchen, still uh, working at the sandwich factory. Was that interesting? No. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, what else? We've got mojitos. So not only is this an emergency episode of Project A Plus, 
It's an emergency episode of In the Tank with Project A+, a uh, sub-series that uh, has never seen the light of day until today. One time only. Yeah, I should think How many that. episodes did we actually record of that series? It was like, a, it was at least a handful. I'm going to say four. Yeah, maybe four, yeah. There's a few. Never listened back. I've no idea what they were like. Uh, I mean, I do from recording them. Probably, probably genius stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll see. One day they might see the light. <laughs> Yeah. This one definitely it's, it's, it's will. This one will. Yeah. Has uh, to. See, I think you have to go into why you're so uh, adamant that we do this. All right, first yeah. let's uh, clink our mojitos together. Okay. Clink, 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 clink. clink. Take let's take, a big, take, let's take a, nice a big sip. Dram. Mmm. Not bad. Delicious. Not bad. Yeah, very refreshing. Mmm. Mm, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, good drink. Uh, actually, before I before I launch into Interceptor, as it were, um, I I should update you on a couple of fronts. Okay. I've overused the word fronts already. It's only seven minutes into the episode. Mm. Uh, first of all, I think about two weeks ago, I washed my sheets. I always like to keep the listeners updated <laughs> about that. Oh yeah, nice, nice. It had been several months, I think. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> Secondly, um, there was there was quite a cold snap in Melbourne as it uh, headed towards winter. It's now officially winter, but mm. just on the precipice of winter, it got it got pretty cold. Uh, and though, like the temperature outside is is perfectly bearable, I think it, it doesn't it doesn't really get that cold in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, my apartment does get quite freezing. And uh, usually, I usually deal with it, or I have dealt with it the previous couple of winters that I've been here, just by wearing all my clothes at once. Mm. Um, but uh, I did actually stop by a, an op shop. What do you call them? A Goodwill shop? Yep. And I purchased a $15 oil column heater that I carried all the way home. And that is sitting beside me now. An, keeping an oil me heater? Toasty warm. Oil column heater. Mm. Fun. I think that's what they're called, isn't it? You know those kind of ridged, ridged ones? There's like old, that old kind of design. I have no idea, bro. It's, like, it's a bunch of like, I don't know, whatever. I think it has oil in it and it heats up the oil. I think that's the mechanism. That's why it's called an oil column heater. I have no idea, bro. I mean, you'll know what they are if you just type it in. It's like it's like been it's the default heater that has been around since like the fifties, probably. Okay. Okay. Does it use oil? Well, let's find out. Give me a second. Oil column heater. Let's have a look. It does definitely have a liquid in it because when I was carrying it, I could hear something sloshing around inside. Mm. So I think it must it must heat up some kind it of. It probably uh, heats up oil. water or something. I don't I don't think it is water because the water would eventually evaporate and there's no like there's no like facility to refill it. So maybe it is oil. How does an oil column? <laughs> okay, oil? what's uh? By immersive resistive electric elements in an oil-filled casting. There you go. It's got oil in it. Yeah, what's what's uh, what's what's uh, 
transition to Interceptor. Matthew Riley. But let's make this a quick one because we've got Obi Wan to watch. <laughs> Obi what? Obi Wan. What is that? Uh, it's the prequel to Obi Two. Mm. Is that related to Mickey One at all? Yes. How so? No idea. Do you know what Mickey One is? No. That was the uh, pre. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde Kane? movie that uh, oh. Arthur Penn and uh, uh, Warren Beatty made together, where he plays like a. Isn't it a, funny that Arthur Penn ended up directing a movie starring Penn? Can I can I finish telling you what Mickey One is? <laughs> yes. Or are you gonna interrupt me again? Go. <laughs> anyway, funnily enough, I've always wanted to watch it because the premise sounds really strange, which is that Warren Beatty is a uh, he plays a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Who's really? like on the that does yeah, sound good. Who's on the run, run from the mob? <laughs> really, really unusual. Uh, but anyway, so a kind of some like it hot type thing. Yeah. Weird. Or what if the people in some like it hot were actually hot, like we're meeting? Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, what made you so hot to do interceptor heal? Matthew Riley. Mm. And who in, in the Dickens is Matthew Riley? So Matthew Riley is an author of uh, thriller books, an Australian author of thriller books. Uh, I would say like he firmly uh, fits into the airport novel category. He's Australia's Tom Clancy. I mean, no, no, he's, it's, it's, it's different than that. Tom Clancy is definitely in the mix. But it's more like smushing together die-hard Tom Clancy and, for some of his books, Indiana Jones. Mm. So, and I, and I would say his influences are primarily cinematic, even even if there is like a Tom Clancy um, debt in there. But it could be from the Tom Clancy movie adaptations more so than Tom Clancy novels. Mm. Um, and I, I've, I've watched uh, a couple of profiles on the man himself. He is definitely transcribing his favorite action movies onto the page, mm. um, smushing them together, kind of just like playing with figurines, really. That's the style of his, uh, his novels. Um, and, uh, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for him. My brother did used to read his novels when he was like 12 or something. So <laughs> Just like how I used to read Tom... Tom Clancy's novels when I was 12. There you go. I read his debut novel, Contest, somehow, when I was pretty young, um, which is about a guy who gets selected to represent Earth in, like, an intergalactic gladiatorial battle held in the New York Public Library. Okay. And uh, the funny thing about that book in particular, which does lead into this film to some extent is that because he always had aspirations to make a film, uh, he bankrolled a $1 million showreel to try and get a movie adaptation of Contest off the ground, starring himself <laughs> as the representative of Earth, <laughs> mm. chosen to fight these uh, intergalactic aliens. <laughs> 
And it's amazing. It's been scrubbed from the internet, unfortunately. Um, but I have seen it. So. Yeah, we got to check that down. So that really, uh, you know, that had me salivating for the prospect of, of Interceptor when I learned about the existence of that film. Mm. So this is a film that he has made with the assistance of Stuart Beatty, Beetle, mm. Beatty? 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 Another Australian. Um, most famous, I think, initially for writing the screenplay for Collateral. Mm. Um, but he's, he's gone on to work on a bunch of other stuff. Um, and he helped out with, uh, with this film. He helped out with the screenplay. And another uh, Australian big name also helped out with this film by supplying his wife and, <laughs> and uh, some money, I guess. Or, yeah, and himself. Probably no money, but like an executive producing credit. And that person is who? Chris Hemsworth, your favorite Thor guy. That's right. And he is married to, I only just learned, uh, Elsa Pataki, who stars in this film. Elsa Pataki. I was wondering if you'd get her name right. <laughs> I just uh, had to flip over to the Wikipedia tab to do that. Elsa Pataki. And to top, uh, to top it off, like already I'm interested in this film, but the fact that it's a Netflix original is the icing on the cake. Yeah, made it a... That makes it absolutely like primo Project A plus material. Or shall we uh, dive right in? Let's do it. We should start by saying that, you know, uh, America has many anti-nuclear weapon defenses, but most of them are concentrated in these two interceptor base bases. Interceptor bases. And interceptors are like these missiles that you know intercept, you know, nuclear missiles. That's the idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one in Alaska, and then one in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, probably near Australia. <laughs> mm. um, because did they even they showed it on a map. Kind of. Yeah, I, they I did, really, but I, I wasn't really paying attention to the geography. <laughs> Me neither. Let's just say it's it's around the corner from Australia. Yeah, somewhere in the Pacific. Yeah, just like Australia is somewhere in the Pacific. Exactly. Um, and... And what? Basically, the movie opens with this base in uh, Alaska getting taken down by... Uh, you know, some mysterious men who are, you know, blast everyone and destroy the interceptor console with acid so that, you know, don't that, that if, if Russia or one of America's enemies were to launch a nuclear strike, America would be totally defenseless. Holy <laughs> right? shit. Yeah, I know, pretty terrifying. Uh, so we cut from there uh, to uh, 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 a woman whose name is J.J. Collins. A woman? Mm-hmm. And he was a captain in the army. Um, and she has been uh, returned to a, a post that she previously served on, on the second of the interceptor bases, which had some code name that has vanished from my memory, I'm sorry to say. Um, but is the one of the Pacific. And she gets flown there. And uh, there's some banter with the guys that are there. 
and basically, you know, this one comes under attack too. The attackers are led by the mysterious uh, Alexander. I want to say Kessel. I think that's right, actually. <laughs> Let's look it up and see if I'm right. No, no, it is right. Wikipedia only says Alexander, but it was Alexander Kessel. I think you're right. Um, who's played by the Australian actor uh, Luke Bracey, just like how uh, everyone in this movie is played by an Australian actor, except for... Is there an American in this movie? <laughs> I, th- I think there is one American. I was going through the IMDb, page, the IMDb pages uh, answering this, trying to answer this question. I think that guy, he was like the head of the um, yeah. army, is, is an American. Oh, uh, Okay. Uh, and I think he's the only one. I think everyone else is either an Australian actor or Australia-based. Um, at least, uh, yeah, as far as... Actually, I take that back. The guy who plays uh, uh, Corporal... Uh, Corporal Shaw? The uh, Rot Roll? What was his strike? Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's he, American. He, he, no, he's not American. He's he's Kiwi. So. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. But everyone else is Australian. <laughs> or Spanish. Yeah, well, Spanish Australian. Yeah. Actually, I wonder if she has a citizenship anywhere else. Like I, I mean, they've, been, they've moved to Byron Bay, but I don't know if she's a citizen. Well, she moved to... Uh, Amer- they, moved, they lived in America for a while, too, so... Yeah, but they, they, live, they live now in Byron Bay. Yeah. Apparently. Anyway, uh, yeah, so this mysterious guy comes aboard, starts fucking killing people, and, uh, you know, this this tough lady has to use her military expertise to save the day. And, oh, I, I should also mention that uh, there in Russia, I thought this plot point was a little confusing, but maybe it's supposed to be deliberately obscure. But uh, basically there's some separatists, or maybe it's sanctioned by the Russian government, who knows, uh, taking over 16 nuclear weapons, weapons and are going to launch them at major cities uh, across the United States, including, uh, funnily enough, uh, St. Louis, Missouri and Cincinnati, <laughs> Minneapolis, Minneapolis and St. Paul, uh, thankfully spared from nuclear destruction. So <laughs> I would have been uh, called upon to, uh, you know, repopulate the United States if, uh, if this had happened. <laughs> so it did kind of read like he was going through like Wikipedia. Like, okay, what are the most populated cities? You know, it's oh, you got DC, Los Angeles, New York, St. Louis, uh, Cincinnati. Like, <laughs> why, why'd you ever do a city in Ohio? Like, anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, that's basically uh, the plot of the film. I mean, what it boils down to is it's kind of like Die Hard on a your interceptor base. Like, that's that's yeah. It. <laughs> Yeah. Except for except for with fewer uh, locations, it's mostly just like two rooms or one room. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, most of his novels of this kind of stripe um, boil down to some sort of riff on Die Hard, but usually the mm. Tom Clancy aspect is that the protagonist is like an elite ex elite military person as opposed to just an everyday guy which is why Die Hard is mm. good and <laughs> well films about elite military personnel are not so good <laughs> uh Hugh I've got a I've got a soft spot for this kind of story I should say that in advance well I, I do too because I have a soft spot for Mr. Riley so. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Tom Clancy-esque military thrillers yeah yes because uh, you're you were a teenage fan 
Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, a big supporter of the troops. I uh... And I, I was quite fond of the demo of Rainbow Six. Um, <laughs> I was quite fi- yeah. fond of riding uh, the bus with my friend Chris Chris when I was in middle school and listening, and listening to him uh, tell me all the plots of the different uh, Rainbow Six novels. <laughs> that sounds better than actually reading them. <laughs> and I also read a couple, too. Um but, uh, uh, and I've enjoyed my fair share of Tom Clancy video games over the years. Mm. I, I actually enjoyed the Without Remorse uh, adaptation from last year, which did a proper episode on. <laughs> I guess maybe that was in the tank. I, I don't know. It wasn't in the tank, yeah. Um, but I gotta be honest with you, I, I thought this was really enjoyable. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is, like, you know, ironic enjoyment. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's very like hacky so and like funny. silly, but it's it's a lot of fun. It doesn't outstay yeah. its welcome. It's pretty like swift and <laughs> yeah, straightforward. And there's enough like, like yeah, gory moments, kind of like okay, action scenes. Are like yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, it has, they're not bad. Uh, it has some hilarious like stabs at topicality, which I always thought were really yeah. Was, I did not expect the me too angle me to be as, uh, pronounced as yeah, it was as prevalent. I thought they were going to sort of like maybe gesture towards it because it's a female protagonist. Yeah. They kind of always have to do that. No, no, it's like directly addressed, which I thought was really yeah. funny. Not expected whatsoever. Because you no. have to assume with these guys that they have a triglodytic approach to uh, ginger rolls. But, yeah, I mean, um, I, I can't even think of a Matthew Riley book that didn't star a man up until this point. I may be and wrong. This is, this, written, is, like, this is written quite as a, novels, a female but. protagonist too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely feels like something had to change when Chris Hemsworth and, um, yeah. you know, Elsa came <laughs> they on board. Cha- they, ch- they changed, uh, they changed the lot. They added an ADR line where, Oh, is it true that you were raised in a Spanish military base? Yes. That was so funny. I, I, I cracked up. So hard. Cause yeah, that totally explains why she has this thick Spanish accent. Thank, thank you. Movie. Like, <laughs> Cause Americans who are raised in, uh, on, on us uh, bases often have the accent of the places that they're, on they later do explain that her mother is Spanish as well, so it's really funny. Uh, I kind of enjoyed. She always had a, a Schwarzeneggerian uh, affect, I think, in certain lines, um, which I kind of I, I did enjoy. Obviously, she's, she's not as like bulky as as Schwarzenegger is, but it was similar. Like uh, uh, being asked to do all these like quippy one-liners while sporting this pretty thick accent that was that was similar to to him. I actually thought she was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know about that. Like, like within, like the, in terms of what the film is asking her to do, I think she does yeah. pretty well. Well, you're more of a feminist than I am, so. That's right. Yeah, I'd probably be one of the, the, the officers who break into her house and write, you know, uh, stay away from the army slide on her wall. <laughs> And we came on your pillow and we're coming for you. Was one of the funniest lines on, on the, the one that I the one that I thought was the funniest was someone was like it, it was like you and then an equal side with like an X through it and an army. It's like what? <laughs> I thought that one was really funny. Also, uh, this is this is only top uh, tangentially related, but I thought that card that her dad gave her was so funny. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> it was like written in Sharpie. It was like, or it was like yeah, or it looked like it was like printed in Comic Sans or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> what did it say? It was like it was like some like it was like keep fighting. 
never never right. stop fighting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that actually brings me to another scene that I, I started. I was like, <laughs> I started laughing like so hard at was when uh, you know the military has. Um, the bad guys are going like, to kill her dad to make her open the door or whatever, you know, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, it's like, you know, I mean, I, I get like, obviously, uh, it, it, who knows how I would respond if I was put in this situation, but I've never, uh, like, especially when they kill that first guy, like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like it's one guy versus like the blood of millions of people on your hands. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's that much of a moral calculus to make. Like if it's your dad, that's one thing, but it's just like some dude. I thought that was so, I thought that was really funny. And also the fact that they, they, they seemingly kill her dad. She's like, no, no. And then at the end he's like, oh, I'm all right. <laughs> that was great. But, but when they, when they riff, when they ripped the tape off of his mouth and he's just like, never stop fighting. <laughs> like, but I like the, the idea that like the, the bad guy agrees to let the father <laughs> yeah. interact with the daughter. Yeah. Because like that allows him to give her like a moral out by saying, yeah. don't, don't, you know, don't give in. Yeah. yeah. He's or, like, yeah, or, take uh, off the tape. Let them speak. <laughs> this will help. I also, I also thought the, uh, the politics of the film were hilarious too. <laughs> Even though, even though it's kind of twisted, but it really this feels like a, a movie that was made by like the Democratic Party, you know. <laughs> it's like again, because because there's a twist that kind of changes it, but at first it's presented like you know uh, the the bad guy is like I mean it's it's incoherent, but he's like he's like Donald Trump Jr., but he's like a left wing guy, you know. He's like America has failed, you know, our immigrants and our our women. It needs to be destroyed and reborn. So he's a Bernie bro, right? <laughs> Yeah, and then the other bad guy we hear a lot of is like the is is this dude named Badger who's like a, a fake like Trump voter. Yes, so it's like oh, the, the you see the left and the right are, are equally capable. <laughs> the sensible center that's that's these uh, hardworking immigrants and women. And the, the the twist in his motivation is just diehard. So <laughs> yeah, but it's also like it doesn't make any sense. Like he's already rich, right? Like why is he making? Why does he? Exactly. <laughs> and they don't ever crystallize the bad guy's motivations like beyond him because it's not just him doing it all. It's clearly a, yeah, there's he's got some benefactor or something. But it never it's never like okay, you know, the Russian government has sanctioned this yeah. or something. It's just it's no, only like never, it's, it. it's completely incoherent except like and there's just that <laughs> moment where um the submarine that's going to rescue the guy <laughs> yeah. comes and they, they do like an internal um, briefing before her and they're like, uh, shoot the guy. What about the girl? Up to you. Up to you, bro. And they decide not to shoot the girl. I and, thought that was uh, also really funny. And the villain just like, why, you know, why would the Russian hat. cat, why would the Russian cat that have any respect for her? Cause it's just like game <laughs> respect game. Oh, you ruined my mission, but you know, good job, bro. <laughs> Oh, uh, we spent we spent six years developing this plot to destroy America, but you you beat me so fair and square, you know. <laughs> I, I do think it's funny that they have the dad live, but they kill you know her her, uh, her Indian best friend. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, is that going to come back too? Because the, the turtle survives and it's like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I also I also like the bit where uh, she stabs the dude in the eye with the gun. I thought that was like pretty good. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know. Me too. And I like, I even like the line afterwards where the other guy's like, 
Did you stab that guy in the face? With yeah, yeah. Good stuff. It's not. It's Good one stuff. of the only uh, like genuine like you know the movie uh, was making me laugh on its own terms. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting this to be torture, and I I uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he makes more movies, and, and unfortunately, Netflix probably aren't going to let him. Yeah, because yeah, they're done with vanity projects like Interceptor. No, this had to be so cheap to make. Like, but like, don't you want a world where like Matthew Riley churns movies out like this as frequently as he churns out his page turners? This should be a this should be a series. I want to see uh, Elsa Patadke <laughs> come come back. You know? Yeah. What's, what's JJ Collins up to next? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh, I, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by Interceptor. It definitely had a, a junky and enjoyable quality. I mean, I knew I knew it would like be really fascinating for me, yeah. regardless. Yeah, but uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised that it yeah, was as enjoyable appeal. as it was that's for appeal. its entire running time. I was wondering if it was going to like become tedious or boring at some mm. point, but it doesn't really. I, I really enjoyed that just, like, everyone was Australian. I thought that was really funny, too. Yeah, well, that that really adds to the vibe of what, you know, Matthew Riley yeah, kind yeah. of represents. Because he, he's an Australian like, trying to write these American, like, thrillers. It's, it's not far removed from when you're a little kid, in Australia at least, and you're play-acting with your friends in, like, a sand pit or something, and you default to the American accent when you're, like, you're, like, yeah, yeah, we, we, we've, we've colonialized your childhoods. <laughs> exactly, um, and that's that's very much what Matthew Riley is. That's that's his whole brand, and uh, this captured that quite well, I think. I, I also enjoyed uh, uh, Luke Bracey plays uh, Alexander Kessel. He had a very uh, a Dougary Scott vibe. <laughs> I thought he was pretty good as well. I, th- so that's, I thought they both actually worked pretty well together. The the protagonist and the antagonist yeah. uh, in terms of the performances was pretty well done for for what the film required. As I said, um, and he's like an ex home and away actor, but he was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was fine. All right. Anyway, is this is this episode over? Um. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us for Interceptor. See you in hell, Matthew.